Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello, welcome to another episode of Motherhood Exposed. Today's podcast is a little different with my lovely guest, Claire, from the Instagram account, The Nurture Nest. Claire is a hypnobirthing teacher and also hosts a very successful podcast. Claire talks me through her own birthing experiences using hypnobirthing, which resulted in Claire training as a teacher herself. We then talk through the ins and outs of hypnobirthing and why she thinks everyone should do it. Good morning, Claire. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm very well. Um, So with my podcast, I start with the same question always, which is how you met your husband, who is Tom. Yes. Um, so we actually met, we've been together since I was like 16 and he was 18. So um, I'm 34 now. So over half of my life. Oh my been, goodness. Um, I know, has been with him. So it's a long time, but we, he was actually at school with my brother. Um, so it's like the old, old tale of um, your brother's friend. Yeah. And, uh, and do, they, do they get on still? Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just kind of had known him, I suppose, since I was younger than that um, and had always sort of liked him, you know, like you do when you're a teenager. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess, yeah, we just started kind of hanging out because my brother and I have always been close. So we've always kind of hung out as friends. And that was that really. So it's been a long time. He went off to uni for three years. I went off to uni for three years. So wow. we've kind of gone through all of that. Yeah, yeah and yeah somehow remained 18 <laughs> together I know, wow. I know I know it makes me feel so old because I don't but feel that old <laughs> no you're I not know. old <laughs> I know so it makes me feel like really old because it's over half my life but, but that's really cool though because when you get when you actually get old then you'll have been together I know. forever um I know I know so it's nice we've you know we've grown together and you know grown up together and been through most of kind of our life's milestones so far together yeah. so it's wow. nice yeah so when did you yeah. get married um in 2014 so yeah we we were together for 10 years before we got engaged um and then yeah like another kind of 18 months after that we got married but if that was okay because a lot of people couldn't you know were like you've been together 10 years and you're not engaged but we were so young when we yeah. met that it didn't feel that was okay that you know that yeah time gap so it felt like the right time we'd bought a house and you know we'd done kind of all of the things that we wanted to do before we got married yeah. basically and I, so. I'm kind of imagining most of your friends probably weren't getting engaged and things uh, no exactly no so we would yeah we were one of the first um so yeah it's all good, oh, all good. another good love story I'm such a <laughs> so um are you happy to talk me through um your birth stories with Emily and Al? yes I am so so when I first got pregnant with Elle I was a bit nervous about of giving birth I think a lot of people have that same feeling um so 
kind of looked into hypnobirthing. My mother-in-law is a retired midwife, so she is very experienced and very kind of for kind of natural birth and home birth and things like that. And yeah. so she was a really great resource for me to, to speak to. So I kind of looked into hypnobirthing and um, we went along and did a great course, which was fantastic and really made me feel really confident about the birth. Um, planned a home birth, which was something that I never thought I would do. Even when I first did the hypnobirthing course, I, I still was sure I wouldn't choose a home birth. But I think after a while of thinking about it and talking to my mother-in-law, who had witnessed many, many home births, mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, you know, do it. They, they're fantastic. Was it's she going to be there for the birth? No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's boundaries. I mean, There's boundaries. <laughs> I think it was nice in my mind knowing that she was just around the corner, yeah. like if anything happened and I needed her to be there. I mean, she was, you know, she was a retired midwife at that point. So she wasn't insured or anything like that. So, but I think just knowing that she was nearby yeah. in case I needed her was nice. But no, we didn't have, my mum wasn't there either. We didn't have anyone else at the birth other than um, obviously just Tom. But um, yeah, so I, we kind of went along and, and planned a home birth. It was around, she was due around Christmas. So it was actually really lovely because we had the Christmas tree, like all the twinkly lights. Yeah. Um, we had a birth ball and um, extra kind of fairy lights, which we ran around the room and things like that. So we kind of made it a really lovely environment. Um, and yeah, so she was due on the 27th of December. Um, so I was quite nervous about her coming on Christmas Day, yep. <laughs> which, you know, it would have been nice. But I think I kind of ideally didn't want her to come on yes. Christmas Day, but she didn't. You need to have your Christmas lunch, don't you? That's yes, exactly. Always. Exactly. So I kind of, you know, it would have, I wouldn't have minded too much, but I kind of would have preferred her not to. Um, but on the, it was about four o'clock in the morning on Boxing Day. So on the 26th, um, I woke up just, yeah, randomly woke up and I had a bit of blood basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so wasn't sure what was going on. It wasn't the kind of typical mucus plug that they talk about Mm. um so I just rang the hospital and they just said to come down and just be checked out so we went down and they checked me I don't know how much detail you want me to go into but they they checked (laughs) me and told me I had thrush which was really strange because I didn't feel like I had it yeah and you tend to know so um I thought that was quite weird that they told me that's what the bleeding was that it was thrush um, was it, was it so, green at all as well was there any green no no so I, I I was just quite surprised because I didn't feel like I had it so I thought it was quite strange um and then the other the other thing they told me after they checked me really helpfully was that my cervix was nicely closed <laughs> and I think being like due I was secretly they hoping they might tell me <laughs> yeah I thought they might be like oh look at that you're seven centimeters <laughs> And I'd be like, yay, I didn't feel anything. Yeah, haven't you um, done well? <laughs> yeah, how brilliant. But no, yeah, so that was a bit disheartening. And one of the things that like I teach in hypnobirthing is that those kind of examinations can really affect you mentally mm-hmm. because I think the the doctor consultant who um, examined me thought they were really telling me something that I wanted to hear. Mm. Oh, you're nicely closed, but it really wasn't. I wanted, I didn't want to hear that anyway, but yeah. So um, we actually stayed in hospital for that whole day. 
um, because, because they wanted the to yeah they I, I don't even think it was I think it stopped but I think they just wanted to monitor me and yeah we kind of were in so we, we'd gone in probably about five o'clock in the morning and then we didn't leave until five o'clock in the afternoon and I actually was about to discharge myself because not a lot had been happening I was sat on we were just sat on a ward on our own no one was really checking on us and I was right. having kind of wanting to have a home birth I was just so cautious of going into hospital and then getting stuck in hospital I didn't want to be stuck in the hospital yeah. I wanted yeah. to go home in the system yeah so I'd already as well started to get very faint uh, kind of surges I'd you know while I was in hospital I, they weren't regular but I'd been getting kind of tightenings mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure if something was starting, but basically I wanted to be at home. So I was about to discharge myself, which is so not like me. I'm not like that sort of person, but I just, you know, you, you just know, I think it's maybe an instinct thing. Um, but they came and they discharged me. So it was fine. So we went home and yeah, I just, everything kind of picked up from there. Um, started getting kind of more regular surges and contractions. I, what did I do? I had a bath. So I spent a lot of time in the bath. I couldn't sleep. I remember that. My husband slept, which was fine. He, need, you know, one of us need, needed yeah. to sleep. You weren't staring so, at him um, with daggers. Yeah, <laughs> evil. Um, so he slept. That was fine. I was just in the bath. And then I think about two o'clock in the morning, I asked him to um, ring a midwife just because it was first time and I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely. quite common. Yeah. So the midwife came out and checked me and she said I was two centimetres. So you know, bearing in mind not that long before I had been nicely Nicely closed (laughs) to being two centimetres was quite, I suppose, quite encouraging. She also said to me, you're so calm for someone who is two centimetres, you know, for someone who is obviously labouring, which was also kind of nice. And I guess um, because of my hypnobirthing that I just was quite calm. I'd been in the bath. I'd had like twinkly lights in the bath and, you know, nice relaxing music and things. So anyway, she went away because they don't stay until you're four centimetres. So um, she went away again and we just carried on as we were. Um, I was in the bath and kind of moving around, trying to get comfortable. And then I think it got to about seven o'clock in the morning and we rang again and another midwife came out and she checked me. And I was, I want to say seven centimetres, maybe not that much. I can't really remember now. I was I was definitely in active labour basically by the, the time she came out. Yeah. So she then stayed and yeah, I was in and out of birth pool. Um, my husband was um, in the hypnobirthing. We teach like um, light touch massage, which is, you know, lovely light is what it sounds like. Light touch massage. Um, but actually, I just a lot of my labor is in my back. And so my husband, bless him, spent just what must have been hours massaging the bottom of my back. Like he I think he's hands must have really yeah, hurt getting his hand think... into the bottom and pushing yeah yeah it was oh yeah it just that was what was really helping because I didn't actually have much um sort of um feeling in my in the front of my bump it was mostly in my back which was really strange because I don't think she was back to back um so that's just obviously where where it was coming from um so he did that and we were just at home for quite a while kind of doing all of that stuff um to think of times she then it must have it was a long time my, my first labor was long um so we labored basically at home for all of that day mm-hmm. which was the 27th because that was her due date 
And then it got to uh, probably around midnight um, of the 27th. And I started going into the second stage of labor. So my body was pushing and having all of the urges to push. Um, and I was pushing or in that stage for about two and a half hours at home. So quite a while. Yeah. And she was kind of making it, her head was sort of being seen, but then going away again. Yeah. And I just, it was, a, it, everyone was just sort of at the point where they were exhausted mm-hmm. and she was getting a bit stressed out, I think. And I was really tired because I'd been awake since four o'clock in the morning on boxing day wow. so awake for yeah, a really, long really long time. time. And you don't, although you eat and drink, you don't eat. I wasn't eating big meals no of course not. you know yeah. it was just nibbling so I think energy wise it was just getting a bit too much so they the midwives were lovely and they just sort of said to me look we might just get an ambulance here not because it's an emergency like we don't want you to be scared but just we want them here just in case we think you might need to go in for extra help and I remember it wasn't scary like I felt okay with it I knew it wasn't an emergency, but sometimes I think the word ambulance can perhaps make people feel a bit like, oh, what's happening? So I knew that that's what they wanted to do. Anyway, they did that. And after a while, they said, you know, I think maybe we should just transfer into hospital and just give you a little bit of help, basically, Mm -hmm. which was fine, fine by me. So we went to hospital by the ambulance, not on blue light. It was, you know, it was absolutely fine. I just didn't want to give birth in the ambulance. I was quite (laughs) conscious of that. Especially at Christmas Um, because it would have been cold. (laughs) Yes, I know. Yeah. (laughs) So we got we got into hospital and she was, yeah, born probably 15 minutes later. We went straight in. We were kind of put to the top of the pile of of (laughs) things that needed doing. I should think so, yeah. (laughs) Yes, right. And yeah, so I I ended up having an episiotomy and forcep delivery, which was the the two they were the two things I didn't want like if you'd asked me before out of everything I was like I don't want forceps I don't want a episiotomy but they were kind of necessary in the end and she was born so quickly afterwards that it was you know it was okay um and it was how her birth was supposed to go so I think for me coming from a hypnobirthing point of view where I felt quite prepared for um every kind of situation I felt okay with that and Mm -hmm. it was you know it was what was supposed to happen so that that was her birth really she was yeah she was born I think at 2 57 in the morning so it had been quite a long labor yeah if you think about from where it kind of started yeah it's just a long time to be awake I think that's the the most difficult thing is is, that feeling tired you know so but I was so pleased that we got to do the majority of it at home and that's what when people ask me I, I obviously I don't say she was a home birth because she technically wasn't but I feel like she kind of was because I labored for so long at home you did it all at home. only that last home. bit yeah yeah so I, you know I really like your birth story because I, I've listened to you about <laughs> it on your own podcast and um yeah really positive about it and I think um you know being a midwife and talking to people about hypnobirthing um yeah I think there's a a perception that you kind of have to um you know it has to be this very very completely all natural birth you have to breathe it yeah breathe the baby out at home with the whole family watching plus the dog <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. whale music <laughs> in the background and <laughs> and I and I always try and get across that that's that's not what it has to be you know you, you can use mm. the positives that you gain from hypnobirthing for any type of birth so that's what I really love your story because 
although it wasn't necessarily the outcome you wanted it was still a really yeah. positive experience and you, you look back yeah. at it um, with you know with um with positivity which is which is exactly think what you need if you if you saw my birth that birth on paper so many people might think oh that yeah. doesn't sound very good and yeah. you know what I would hate shame. that what a shame that happened what a shame yeah but like I felt so different from that that it was no it's okay it was it was really positive I did the majority of it at home which is what I wanted yeah. and we needed that bit at the end and it was okay and I recovered fine from it you know it it was it was what it was and, and I'm it assuming because she fine. was forceps was she slightly in the wrong position yeah maybe I think once it had happened once she was born one of the midwives said you would have really struggled to get her out um on your own mm. but I don't know you know I, I'm not sure maybe I mean maybe that was true maybe she was trying to make me feel better I'm not no, sure I wouldn't you know? have thought so because being forceps and forceps at that stage where if her head is right. invisible it's usually they use yeah. to kind of turn the baby into a, into a more optimal position if not they would have used a kiwi um Oh, okay. Oh, um, because if she was visible, then it was just a little yeah. bit, a tiny bit of help you needed. Yeah. So perhaps they needed just to use it to turn. Oh, her I see. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she, yeah, I think her head kind of kept sort of coming into view. And then, you know, what it is, it's like a few yeah, steps forward and then one step back, isn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So it was okay. And honestly, like, I, they, that four steps of the things I didn't want, but they were okay. And that's what I try to tell people that it was, it was okay. I think we build these things up so much in our mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. because of all the horrible stories we hear. But it doesn't have to be horrible. It doesn't have to be negative. And what about pain relief? Because you had an episiotomy and four steps. Oh, I didn't have any. Yeah, there I wasn't time, any. was there? Because the anaesthetist was busy or something. So the um, so the the doctor, the consultant, I guess it was. Um, or the obst- obstetrician uh-huh. said to me, I'm really sorry, but um, they're, they're busy. They can't come and give you a spinal block. I guess it would normally be. Um, so I've got some, I think, local anaesthetic and gas and air, basically. I'm so, looking, yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty hardcore, but I just went to town on my gas and air. And it, yeah, it was it was fine. I don't I barely remember it and not in a bad way. I just mm-hmm. it was quick and it wasn't a huge thing you know I, I don't I don't remember it that well yeah. but the pain um if you're talking about pain I don't remember it so amazing and then Amelie's yeah. birth was quite a yes. experience, yeah it was so she was born just 21 months later so not too long after and going back to my mother-in-law and her experience she kept telling me it will be a quick birth because they're not very there's not a big gap between them mm-hmm. and I think often if they're fairly close together it can um can be pretty quick she kept saying that to me and I almost sort of didn't want to believe it not that a quick birth necessarily is better just because I think of my experience first time where it was so long I would have preferred it to be shorter so I yeah. almost didn't want to believe her because I didn't want to think it could be quick and in my mind I just thought do you know what if it's long if it's like Elle's birth that's okay I've done it before I know I can do it it's all about um, so expectations isn't it so exactly yeah so yeah I didn't want to kind of get my heart set on anything yeah. too too quick but so she was yeah she was due I think on the 1st of October and she we went to a birthday party when I was 39 weeks exactly we went to a kid's birthday party and I remember just feeling 
enormous and Aww. making all of these jokes about being on the bouncy castle and <laughs> maybe I should get on the bouncy castle and see what happens the baby will be born and um actually somebody said to me at the party what are you have you got any plans for this evening and I remember joking and saying yeah I'm gonna go and have a baby and I was just <laughs> joking um but we got home from the party and I went off to I just needed a wee so I went to the toilet um came back and sat down on the sofa and felt myself kind of still weeing I mean I wasn't but I, that's what it felt like yeah I thought weird I've just been to the toilet I went back to the, to the toilet and yeah it was my waters basically that had um started to to break it wasn't like you see in the films with the big Hollywood Hollywood gush it was like a slow trickle of water and yeah so I I kind of went upstairs and laid on the bed I had tons of those puppy pads which I sort of just wrapped myself in because it, it just comes out kind of yeah. continuously doesn't it it's, and it it's kind really of gushes tricky. depending on the, the head the, yeah. the baby's head position so suddenly the baby moves her head that it allows a big gush to oh gosh, gosh welly boots <laughs> it's really aw- like awkward trying to yeah get somewhere when you've got this water we'd we'd also just had brand new cream carpet up our oh, stairs no. and on our landing that's a rookie oh, error there. silly idea and so with two, two of, young children you got queen carpets well, yes I know, I know I regret that a little bit yeah. <laughs> but we'd kind of lined puppy pads all along it so that I had like a, a little route a little walkway <laughs> yeah anyway so I I laid down in bed for a bit no my contractions didn't start so there was no surges or anything happening and um, so I rang my midwife and she basically said because your contractions haven't started just pop along to the hospital to just get checked to make sure it is your waters that have gone so I was pretty sure it was but I went along to the hospital again I didn't I was so nervous about getting caught in that trap of being in the hospital because I, this time I really was determined to have her at home. We had planned a home birth again. So I'd, I'd so wanted to give birth at home second time. So we went along to the hospital. They just literally took one look at me and were like, yeah, that's your waters. Like, we, we, we can tell that's your waters. Um, so they booked me in then and there for an induction if my, if my contractions didn't start. Mm-hmm. Um, so for I think not the next day the day after they put me in which now I think now I've done my teacher training in hypnobirthing I would perhaps question a bit more um, I teach people that you don't have to accept induction and that you can question it yeah and I didn't really and I know that the reason they book you in is because of the the risk the increased risk of infection once your waters go um but I think I probably if I did it again I would ask a few more questions about it like what what are the risks um you know percentage wise and things like that yeah because I didn't the time it's um it's 24 hours um it's obviously depending on um the hospital protocol so the reason it was the reason it was longer was because it was already the evening and so they didn't want to book me in for the next morning because it wasn't really long enough so they booked me in for the following morning so it was about kind of 30 something hours I think by that point um so we we just before we came back home as well they said to me oh the on-call midwife for home birth she's just been called to another birth and there's nobody else basically so if your contractions start too soon 
you'll have to come back into hospital and have your baby in hospital. So then I was sort of left in this limbo of, well, they need to start soon. Otherwise I'm going to be induced, but they can't start too soon. Otherwise they won't be a midwife around. So it was actually quite stressful. Um, But we got home and I just tried to relax. I remember my husband was like, just relax, have something to eat, go, you know, go to sleep, which I did. And I think I woke up about 11 o'clock in the evening with surges um, and it progressed from there basically. So started off pretty mild, um, could breathe through them fine. was doing a lot of my hypnobirthing breathing, saying my affirmations to myself. And then it got to around four o'clock in the morning and we called the midwife and they came out to us because my waters had gone. They didn't want to check me. They didn't want to give me a vaginal examination straight away. So they kind of observed me for a bit to see, I guess, whether I looked like I was in labor, like my breathing and things like that. And then once they were happy that I was in labor, they gave me a check and they said I was nine and a half centimeters, which was very amazing. in <laughs> so very very I was gonna labor. say it's quite it's quite a hard call to make with someone who's hypnobirthing because it's not always yeah really obvious that you are in labor yeah if you're you're really in in the um in the zone then definitely yeah I can understand I also remember they had with them their gas and air and I'd used gas and air with L and I knew I really liked it and I wanted gas and air and I remember the midwife she was kind of setting it up for me and she said oh no I haven't got the right like cordy bit you know that sticks onto it so I was like what oh no can we can we fashion something can we make it somehow and she was like oh I'll have to call the hospital and get someone to bring it which realistically wouldn't have been any time soon and um so I was like oh no I'm gonna have to do it without gas and air but she just at the last moment found it so I think I had a few puffs of gas and air and then yeah Emily was was born so it was it was pretty quick and I obviously I could have done it without the gas and air but I just I wanted it I liked the gas and air (laughs) um so um yeah so yeah I think it was just a couple of kind of I say pushes but uh you know not actively pushing Mm -hmm. but a couple of pushes and, and she was out and it was quick and I remember them saying we need we'll we'll note your second stage as being from when we arrived rather than from when we examined you because if it's from when we examined you your second stage is like five minutes that's crazy <laughs> so, isn't it wow so they noted it from when they arrived which made it a little bit longer <laughs> um, and I didn't I didn't get to go in the birth pool because my husband was only just sort of starting to fill it up I think once the midwives got here he started to fill it up based off of last time where we thought we had still hours left mm-hmm. and I just didn't get a chance to go in it which was a shame I would have loved to have um, given birth to her in the birth pool did you have a big bath afterwards maybe no I could have done that couldn't I? In the <laughs> totally. a good idea. some bubbles in there <laughs> I didn't think of that no but it was it was really lovely and they so they were amazing the midwives they were just lovely and it was just lovely being at home I remember just it just felt so serene and we had this lovely music playing in the background like you know like spa type music and it was just very relaxed and they you know made us a cup of tea and oh. toast and all of that afterwards and then left and we were just sat here like oh we just had a baby <laughs> had a baby and I think from last time being in hospital we just felt so surreal that we were 
just sat at home, like left to our own devices. I mean, we'd already had a baby, so we kind of knew what we were doing, but still it felt very different. I think by about nine o'clock in the morning, they would gone. Oh, she was born at 6.49. I get them confused. Their times are quite similar. 6.49 she was born in the morning. So, um, And was, was yeah, Elle I, upstairs or was she somewhere? No, my, so my mum and dad came and got her um, before we went off to the hospital the night before. But actually, she could have stayed here um, because by the time she woke up, Emily would have been born. But we yeah, didn't know that. You don't know. She, yeah, it's a tricky call She could have make. stayed. It would have been nice if she'd been here. But it was also quite nice to just have a bit of time yeah. before the toddler comes back. Yeah. And her whole world's going to change, you know, having a, a sibling now. So, it yeah, it worked out really well and her yeah Emily's birth was just amazing I we don't really want any more children but I would love to give birth again based off of <laughs> both experiences but the second one definitely I would just love to give birth again to do it but we don't again. want any more children so. <laughs> you're gonna have to start watching other people's or something I know that way. Well, when any, I just feel so jealous of people that get to, <laughs> get to give birth it's a bit weird really isn't it but no, no it I understand lovely. I understand so <laughs> You weren't, um, so from your experiences, that's why you went into hypnobirthing, is that right? Yeah, totally. So I just, it's some, like, I just think it's something everyone should do. And I would tell all of, like, my pregnant friends, as soon as they uh, told me they were pregnant, you must do hypnobirthing. And a, a lot of them did, which is fantastic. But I just talked about it so much to people. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, what? what how can I how can I do this how can I make it something that I can I can do as well and yeah did my teacher training and now I'm so lucky and privileged that I get to share this journey with people and honestly like every single client I've had they're just amazing and you feel like such a a bond with them because it's such a special time for them and you're giving them such great life-changing advice Mm -hmm. that it's just an honor really to be able to teach people and when they share their story with you afterwards it's just so it's just magical so yeah I love it love love teaching it it's just such a joy really can you um for those who don't know give us like um a bite-sized version of like the science and the theory behind hypnobirthing of course so it hypnobirthing isn't anything kind of special I think we think it's something really weird and mysterious and alternative we, and we. The, the name doesn't help with it yeah. <laughs> um, very honest about the fact that hypno is not um, a great name but one of the things I liken it to a lot is organic fruit so you know you go out and you think you're doing something really great and you're buying organic fruit but that is just fruit before we messed with it and so hypno birthing is just birth before we came along and, and messed with it so it's nothing special it just draws on firstly knowledge so you in a hypnobirthing course you will get a ton of knowledge about what's actually happening to our bodies when we have a baby so the physiology of birth what those muscles are doing I never knew before I did a hypnobirthing course firstly what a cervix looks like but also how what its job even really is during labor like I didn't ever know because they don't teach it in school Mm. and Maybe they should, I don't know, like maybe they should teach it in school so we know. And I think once you know what that muscle's doing during labour, how it works, it birth just becomes less scary because it's it's 
muscles just working in a particular way and um, like every other kind of set of muscles in our body works every single day so it's it's the knowledge that you get but you also get um inf- you know knowledge about how your mind then works how important the mind is and how our mind just controls everything our body does and um, so we really go into detail about how we can affect our body by using our mind um, and then this draws on all, all of the relaxation techniques that we teach as well so we teach you how to basically put yourself into a kind of hypnosis state, which just means a really relaxed state um, to be able to relax your mind. Because once your mind is out of the way, your body is able to do what it needs to do. And the issue so many people have with labor and giving birth is that our mind gets too involved in it. So our our Mm. mind is thinking, what's going on? What's that? What's that noise? That light's too bright. And it just stops our body being able to do what it needs to do because our body He's going, hang on a minute, something's not right here. You're telling me you feel scared. So the cervix is obviously just a muscle that does a really important job as any other muscle does in our body. And I never knew that before. So I think that's a really big, important part in taking a bit of that fear away around birth is Mm -hmm. that once you understand physiology and Mm -hmm. the physiology of birth, what's actually happening, it becomes much less scary Mm. so we teach that we teach about how the mind works the mind body connection how important that is because our mind affects everything that our body does and we talk about all the hormones involved as well and then a lot of it is to do with the kind of relaxation side so if your mind is still and your mind is preoccupied in a nice relaxed fairyland wherever you want it to go it just allows your body to do what your body needs to do basically which is birth your baby if your mind is full of fear and uncertainty around what's happening then your body's going to react to that and try to kind of hold on to to your baby your your body doesn't know the difference between true and false so if your mind is thinking I feel scared I don't feel safe right now then your body is going to struggle to give birth because Mm -hmm. it doesn't know that you are actually in a safe environment. Mm. So a lot of it is teaching you to to relax and to preoccupy your mind and to take that fear away. And so then the other big thing... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, just to be able right. to do that though, presumably you need to give the um, the, the, the couple um, a lot yeah. of information because um, yeah. to be able to relax and, and, and trust the process, I guess you need to know the, you know what exactly yeah. is going on and the theory behind everything. Yeah. So we, yeah, we teach exactly what is happening within the body when we give birth, um, you know, the physiology of it. So yeah, you understand it. And we give you a lot of just other information, how to make decisions when it comes to your pregnancy and your, your birth as well. Um, So a lot of the course is about empowering you as well and giving confidence so that if your caregiver says, well, we might book you in for an induction, you have the confidence to ask questions about that and make a decision as to whether that's right for you because so many people don't realize they can say no to things Mm -hmm. um but but we can it obviously it's our our body we can we can decline things if we don't want them so it's about empowerment as well amazing and how important is it for um uh the the woman the pregnant woman um but also Mm -hmm. the partner to practice the um the things that they're taught yeah key practice is key I talk so much on my course about practice like it's interwoven into every part of my course and every good birth story you hear they always talk about doing lots of practice Mm. Um, and the practice really isn't anything 
taxing. It's listening to relaxations and um, relaxation scripts like 10 minutes a day before you go to sleep at night. And it's practicing your breathing. It's basically just practicing being able to relax so that when it comes to labor, you're so used to relaxing. It's so easy for you to go into that state that you can do it easily. And it's like anything that you're good at in life you practice at it. An Olympic athlete isn't just amazing at what they do. They practice, practice, practice Mm. to be good at it. it. And it's exactly the same. The more you practice, the better you'll be. Is it the same for the birth partner as well? Because you were talking about your husband um, as he was touching you and things while you were in labor. Does does the birth partner need to practice too? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely beneficial because they then understand what you're trying to achieve um, as well during labor it's quite common for us to mimic our partners like breathing and things like that so if they are practiced in the breathing they can do that and they can influence kind of how you're you're breathing yeah. and yeah they can they can do it with you they can read scripts to you you know it's definitely a team effort but you know birth and labor is completely a team effort Absolutely. and I think birth partners so often get made to look like just fools that don't know what they're doing when you see it on tv and in these documentaries that they show Um, and that isn't the case they have a really important role so it's definitely a team effort I always encourage birth partners to get as involved as they can Mm. just because then they understand everything that you want from your birth and is there an ideal time in the pregnancy to start um, to do the course and start practicing so I usually say any time from kind of 20 weeks is a good time to do a course. But the majority of people I teach, I would say are around kind of 26, 27, 28 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think actually that's quite a good time because it gives you still long enough to practice, but not too long that you kind of get a bit bored with it. Yeah. And I know that maybe is not the right way of phrasing it, but you don't, yeah, you, you kind of don't want to get complacent with it, basically. Yeah. I think it would be the same for teaching antenatal courses and things. That's kind of the ideal time because anything before that, it feels too far away, I think. And it almost yeah. feels a bit like a dream and it's not actually going to happen. Yeah. It's like a bit like a kid waiting for Christmas. It's never going to come. So I think the closer you are in terms, but not too close, um, you're more invested in what you need to do. And, um, you know, the, yeah. the end is in sight. So you, you kind of feel like you can put more energy into into what you're having to, to learn yeah and yeah and you've yeah. um whilst you've been speaking you've used the word surges you've used the word contraction <laughs> pain and waters breaking and obviously I know with mm. hypnobirthing um, language is a huge part of it um so what's the reasoning behind that um just because it's we you just want to try and avoid anything kind of negative or anything uh-huh. that makes you feel negative it's very yeah. personal I, you know, some people don't mind the word contraction, doesn't bother them, but some people it really does. If it makes you think of pain or of something contracting, that's not going to help kind of the positivity that you want to have in your mind. So we just kind of suggest that any words that you don't feel comfortable with, you change. And midwives, as I'm sure you know, are just so used to people changing these words now. Mm-hmm. Surges is so commonly said now rather than contraction. Yeah. And as well, you know, pain in particular, I know I've used the word pain. I try not to, but it just isn't something I think you want to associate with labor. I think talking about it in terms of discomfort or comfort levels is just much more helpful to to using the word pain, just in terms of how your mind takes that information Mm -hmm. and then how your body then 
kind of reacts to it. Just want to try and avoid as much negative language as you can. And on that note, is can hypnobirthing be used as a pain relief? So no, technically not. It, we don't say it's a, we don't say it's a method of pain relief because that implies that there's pain to be relieved, which we not everybody experiences pain. We never say that you won't experience pain because some people do. It's just about, it allows you to manage that pain. So I don't think I would say it was a method of pain relief. It's not going to, in every circumstance, take away all pain, but it just allows you to manage it better Mm -hmm. and to be able to kind of cope with it. And I I almost don't like the word cope (laughs) because I feel like that's kind of a bit negative, but it, it allows you to manage it better, I would say, than than actually kind of relieving the pain. Because not everybody feels feels pain. Yeah. They just don't. And it's a little bit like some of the actual drugs we offer as well. They don't actually take the pain away, take pethidine or any right. of the opioids we offer. They don't necessarily take the pain away, but what they do is is relax you and get you to a state where you perhaps feel more relaxed and therefore able to accept or manage. Um, although I don't really think that counts for pethidine, but, um, it's it's the same thing, you know, it's not, it's not going to, this will not remove the pain, but it will stop you perhaps tense and maybe allow you to relax enough to get some sleep and rest and then allow your body to, to continue and and progress in labor. It's like gas and air, I guess, you know, it doesn't, it just puts you into a bit of a daze where you, and I kind of liken it to if you've had too much to drink and you fall over and hurt yourself, you know that it hurts, but you don't care that much because you've had too much to drink. <laughs> and I always say gas and air feels a bit like that. You feel a bit like you've had too, too much. You've had yeah, no, it does, um, yeah. a bottle of wine or something. Yeah. So you kind of know that you may be in discomfort, but you, you don't care that much because you're up in this happy <laughs> gas and air land. So yeah, I guess, yeah, that works in the same way. And do you have any tips on managing perhaps a caregiver who won't get on board with the change of language? Uh, firstly, you can ask to change caregivers. I know that seems kind of harsh, but, and, and I don't actually know of anyone that has ever had such an issue with a caregiver that they have requested a different one. But you can, first and foremost, you can request someone different. And when I was doing my teacher training, I remember them talking about this and they said, the likelihood is, is if you feel uncomfortable with that caregiver or that midwife, Mm -hmm. they probably feel uncomfortable with you too. And it's a two-way relationship. So everybody needs to feel comfortable. I'm sure, you know, as a midwife, you don't want to be assisting someone in the birth that you know, doesn't feel that comfortable with you and that you don't have that kind of rapport with. So firstly, you can request someone new. Secondly, if it's in your birth plan, I mean, I would always recommend putting these things down on paper into birth preferences so that you have it written down what you want and, and hopefully they would take that on board and um, respect it. Exactly. And also your birth partner, a big part of their role is to advocate for you. So, you know, a lot of what they they need to be doing is taking on these conversations and asking politely um, if you would mind changing that language or even being that first port of call for them to talk to so that you perhaps don't hear that negative language. Mm-hmm. It's your birth partner taking that on yeah. um, and then they can go to you and, and talk to you separately. Mm-hmm. 
And what about if someone was um, had a planned section? Would should would would they benefit from doing hypnobirthing? Yes, one hundred percent. I actually just spoke to somebody um, all about their positive, and it was a, a positive cesarean birth, but it was an elective one. And absolutely, because it's still going into something that can be quite stressful, although it's planned and elective, and you know it's happening. The benefits. Um, from learning hypnobirthing and the techniques that we we teach to kind of calm your mind and calm you down can definitely help in a cesarean situation as well. And mm-hmm. for the recovery as well, um, you know, recovery from a cesarean isn't always the easiest. So it can definitely help with that in terms of breathing techniques and being able to relax and refocus your mind. Yeah. It, well, I- hypnobirthing is, is for every birth, like it benefits everybody. Oh, that's good because as a midwife that's what I've always said to people is it doesn't matter on the outcome it, yeah. it's the it's the process and and if yeah. you know if you are practicing then you're getting that 10 minutes a day where you're shutting the world away and you're just focusing on you yeah. and your baby um you know and if we yeah. don't if we don't have a reason to do that we're not very good at giving ourselves that time so there's always the benefit and then okay. I then I always go on and say and you can always use it for other aspects of your life and is that yeah. true Did you say that you yes. can then take it on and and use it and have you used it for other aspects of your life yes um <laughs> well definitely with two toddlers around definitely <laughs> use the breathing <laughs> um yeah a hundred percent it the breathing one of the breathing techniques that I teach which is for the kind of um surges that breathing technique I use often and yeah I joke but I use it if my toddlers are arguing or saying mummy a million times a day um you know it helps to calm me down if yeah. I'm nervous about anything you know if, if someone if you've got an interview or if you've got a presentation anything podcast. like that it can it's help a podcast, a podcast. <laughs> yes always do it a podcast. <laughs> if you've got a doctor's appointment you know anything that you feel nervous about it it just gives you this well influx of oxygen firstly which will always help Mm -hmm. but it just helps you to to relax so yeah it's definitely beneficial and the other thing that's beneficial is the confidence to really ask questions about things and I think that stays with you not just for birth but for everything in life giving you that confidence to really question what people are telling you amazing and my last question is just on due dates because I'm believe you have an opinion on on the word due date (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah so just that due dates they they hold a lot of I think I can't think of the word but they they a lot of pressure on one day a lot of pressure yes and actually they don't mean that much um I think it's something like 85 percent of babies are born after 40 weeks so they're not even an average of when your baby might be born. Mm-hmm. Um, 5% roughly come on their due date um, and then 10% come before their due date. So a lot of people get to that date and then start wondering what's going on, what's happening. And you get pressure from yourself. You get pressure from your friends and family who are texting you saying, is yeah. the baby here yet? Yeah. And then you get pressure from caregivers who are perhaps wanting you to agree to an induction or something like that. And, you know, when we look at all of the hormones involved in giving birth and in starting labor, one of the most important hormones that we need is oxytocin. And we only release that when we're feeling calm and relaxed. So if we're kind of stressed, and even if it's just a really subtle, like low level stress of, 
oh, I thought they'd be here by now and they're not here yet. That can really affect our labour even starting because we're not relaxed. Mm -hmm. So they hold a lot of pressure. And although they're fun, you know, they're fun to work out as soon as you find out you're pregnant and it's kind of fun to have a date in mind of when they might be born. I just think it's much healthier to look at them kind of more as a due window or a due yeah. month. I think um, to... I might be wrong in saying this. I think it's France that um, they give a due month or they give or they give the 41 oh, really? week date. I could be wrong. Um, yes. So France is, um, yes. Yeah, so France is 41 weeks is their like due date. Kind of <laughs> due date. And apparently in Kenya, it's 43 weeks. <gasps> is it? So gosh, that would get past the RCOG. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't understand how there can be such a a broad kind of range. And I and I feel like it would be more helpful if it was at least an average, like knowing that 85% of babies come after that date. That's it's not even an average, then, is it? The majority one weeks makes a lot more sense because like you yeah. say, you haven't got that that level of expectation and the pressure on 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 an yeah. early day, um, and then the levels of disappointment that that then follow that baby hasn't miraculously yeah. arrived and things. So, so definitely, no. I think my husband as well. When we were expecting, he was like, "This is this is rubbish. This makes no sense." <laughs> he could not get his head around this word due date because he's like, "But that doesn't mean he just really his head was just mind was blown by it." Yeah, it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> it really doesn't yeah no it doesn't it's useless and we we're not all the same like we don't all ovulate on the same day we don't all have the same length cycle you know our body doesn't have a calendar (laughs) it just we're not all the same and it just assumes that every single person Mm. is the same so their baby will kind of will be born at that same day so something I've experienced since living in the UAE is often women's due dates get changed like oh do they yeah so depending on like on those earlier scans they sort of often alter them not not by the the you know the, the usual 12-week dating scan but they might have another scan and go actually no you're due a week earlier or really so it's, it's very peculiar yeah I've never really got my head around that yeah so no, gosh there you go, there you go. <laughs> learn something new so yeah definitely end of the podcast I like to ask the same three questions which yes is, if you were to have coffee with any other woman alive dead fictional um famous who um would it be and why so I really thought about this one because I wanted to I was like who who is really inspirational <laughs> do I want to have coffee with like what kind of famous person who would be inspiring for people and I really thought about it and although you know there are like plenty of um inspiring females that I would gladly have a coffee coffee with when I actually thought about who out of people I know or you know people I know of would I actually right now want to sit and have a coffee with and it is one of my bestest friends who we've been friends since we were 11 um so we're 34 now so a long time yeah and you know we we were cl- we've been close that entire time um like kind of a bit like sisters and she lives in australia now so i don't Aww. see her and we haven't seen each other obviously for well because of covid and everything else but it'd be nearly two years we have children around the same age and i just yeah i would love to sit and have it would probably be a wine not a coffee yeah it's fine but um i would absolutely now if i got to pick have sit down and have a drink with her i would love that Oh, I hope you get to do that soon. I know. So do I. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I know. And since becoming a mum, have you noticed yourself saying anything that your mum used to say to you? 
Yeah, quite worryingly. Um, <laughs> Everybody always says that, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I do. I see. I think seeing my mum with my children, um, I see myself a lot in her um, and obviously how she parented me and my brother. Um, one thing that she says a lot and I think I say is be careful, you know, if they're running around like crazy, just being crazy toddlers mm -hmm. she always says be careful which doesn't really do much other than probably just distract them from what they were doing so they maybe make you it. feel like you're doing something <laughs> you do exactly yeah. and I do it as well always be careful stop running <laughs> um and I think yeah that's exactly what my my mum says and I see you know I see a lot of similarities which isn't a bad thing because she um she's brilliant so. I'd say she's done a good um, job yeah Oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, I, you know, it's not too bad. I don't mind too much, but um, I definitely can see it. And um, bearing in mind your own birth experiences or your work as a hypnobirthing um, teacher, is there any um, kind of mum hacks, life hacks you could share with us? So more kind of not maybe not a hack, but more like advice mm -hmm. and not directly related to hypnobirthing, but something that obviously I um, kind of found out once I'd had a baby. But in terms of like when they're little and getting them napping, I remember when Elle was a baby and being just so confused by all these people were like, oh, it's their nap time. And I remember just thinking, how does everybody know it's nap time? Like, I know we're, we're taught to look for cues and things like that. Um, but everyone seemed to have these kind of like proper nap times. And um, I remember being really confused about how I knew. And one of my friends who'd had children, she just told me about, it was some website, but it was just basically a, a sleep guide for babies. And it just said, it just told you their kind of awake times, depending on their age. So how long they could really be awake for before they needed another nap. And I remember her just saying to me, you know, when she's been awake, for example, for an hour and a half, just put her down and she'll go to sleep. And I remember thinking, but I can't just put her down. Like she seems so awake and she did, she just went to sleep. And I, I honestly, it formed, it ended up forming our, our kind of routine in, in napping. And it got us into a really good start with sleep. And I've had two children who have been really, really good nappers and happy, you know, happy children who are really good at napping. And mm. I, I honestly think it's because I took the pressure off myself, I think, yeah. a bit trying to work out how I do this. And I just kind of went by this little guide. And, and I remember as well, my mother-in-law, like she's, as I said, a retired, uh, retired midwife, but she also was a health visitor and has got lots of qualifications within child development. And I always remember her saying to me, babies like to know what's coming next. Like they like to know what's going to happen. And I really think that that is true. And I, with friends of mine who then had children, I would always share this little like guide with them and you can like, there's loads of them around, but it just basically gives you an idea for their age when they would yeah. um, need to go to sleep. And I just found it invaluable and it would definitely be something that I would recommend to people that are kind of looking for anything similar, similar like that. It gives I you think, a bit of time as well. Yeah. I think sleep is like the biggest the biggest mm. kind of emotive topic for any any new parent. Yes, it's, it's I mean, and I'm not thing. a sleep expert at all. Obviously, I'm not <laughs> a sleep expert. But just coming from somebody who has had two children, and I just found it really, really helpful. And I think 
not to be too restrictive with routine. You need some flexibility and stuff, but just to have an idea of, of kind of when they might be needing to yeah. go for a nap and things Absolutely. like that. And it, it helped form the kind of scheduled naps that you have as they get older. Mm-hmm. Um, um, is Emily so, yeah. uh, L? She's four. She? Elle's four, yes, and Emily you, is um, too. Do you do like any breathing techniques with her if she's if she's having like a, a bad day? I haven't actually, but it's probably a good idea to start teaching her my hypnobirthing <laughs> techniques. Definitely, I showed her a video the other day. It wasn't it was um it wasn't an actual person. It was a you might have seen it. It's been on Instagram. It was a, a dummy. They're showing you how the baby comes out of the dummy, mm. like being born. Uh, I was showing her that and she was just like fascinated by it. So I definitely want to educate them from when, when they're little about childbirth because it's so important that they're not scared of it. No, absolutely. And, you know, having two girls, it's just there, you know, I need to, I need to teach them that. So yeah, she's very interested in it though. So she's good. I've spoken about this before, but I was um, brought up with this very, uh, my mum told me, I think it was a seventies book maybe it was end of 60s um oh yeah very retro style book that was just in our bookshelves along with Shira and Pipo and all of it <laughs> so we just used to pick it up and flick through it like we would any other book but it was it was um you know a little story about a mummy and or a man and a lady who had sex and then you know then they oh, made really? baby and how the baby grew and then the woman then um, birthed this baby um so I always say maybe, maybe that planted a little seed in me to become a midwife. I don't know. Yeah. But also, we never had to sit down and have the chat, you know, because it yeah. was just likewise, my sister and I are, are close. We're 16 months apart and oh, okay. a single parent family. So it was just a girly house. Yeah. So like yeah. it was I, I never really remember talking about giving of childbirth or anything but also never no. having to have the conversation about how babies got there and all of that sort of thing yeah. so maybe we did but I just blocked it out I don't know but <laughs> yeah I think it's really no, but I think if, it, if, if it's, it's just made normal yeah if it's made normal then it's not a big kind of taboo is it it's no. just well, there's, there's nothing normal. more normal than exactly exactly so. start them young totally I, I'm with you 100 thank you <laughs> thank you so much, thank you so much start chatting to you at the beginning because it's the first day of shops being open you've you've given your time to me and not going to do a mad oh no it's fine honestly I could do without going going to a shop to be honest does everyone need a haircut are you all okay yes they're coming the hairdresser's coming around on Friday oh (laughs) well done yes (laughs) yes prepared for that one and eyebrows eyebrows (laughs) don't even it's been before Christmas <laughs> oh, I can't tell. It's, it's too blurry over here. So oh, good, there. good, good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. And that's the end of another episode. Thank you so much to Claire for sharing her time and wisdom with us. You can follow Claire on Instagram at the Nurture Nest. That's at the underscore nurture underscore nest where you can contact her for group, one-to-one or online courses. You can listen to her podcast, The Hypnobirthing Podcast, on all major platforms. Please do get in touch if you practice hypnobirthing and we'd like to share your experience as I'd love to post your birthing stories on my Instagram account. Have a super week and I'll see you next Thursday.